So Sarah's just had to, had, had to take them out. But uh, yeah, briefly first, I'd, uh, it's good to just kind of introduce ourselves a little bit. I realise there, there may be some people here who don't know us. Um, and in particular, just, uh, yeah, the wonderful support that you guys have been in the time that we've, we've been out in, in Uganda. We recently came back uh, just last June. But anyway, yeah, there's me, I'm Tim, if you don't know who I am. There's my wife, Sarah, who is, as I say, is not here. And our two kids, Noah and Emily. Um, I've been, I grew up in this church, so this is, it's wonderful to be back here. I also had two stints as a, as a youth worker here, uh, which was some of my most memorable, memorable days working here for Forest Hill Church. I won't, uh, I won't share any stories because uh, you, you might use it against me in a court of law, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't ask Nigel afterwards. <laughs> anyway, um, and then we had the real blessing of being supported by this church, myself for eight years and together with Sarah for five years uh, being out in Uganda. Um, so we were out there working with a church called River of Life Church. Sarah set up a, a neonatal unit in the local hospital. And some of you, many of you will have heard her before talk about all the wonderful stories of little premature babies and uh, miracles happening in order to, to see some of these tiny little premature babies survive. Thanks to the support uh, at of this church and many other people who who were able to we were ma- able to make that happen, and myself working for for uh, in particularly a project called Synergy, which was um, is a sports project that uses kind of men- um, football mainly as a vehicle for mentoring and discipleship, and that is that's ongoing. It's a it's a really fantastic project, and I'm glad it's there in Newsbeat um, to say thank you to you guys uh, for d- over a thousand pounds that uh, that you raised for that recently because of some financial. Uh, difficulties that we were we were in, and so I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone here, to Forest Hill Church generally, and and to those who have uh, who have given and supported us in many different ways through prayer, through uh, your finances. Some of you still giving to our projects out there, and um, that just makes a, a huge difference and uh, is is such a blessing to to many people in Uganda. So thank you for that first and foremost. Um, now, I'm not going to speak uh, any more particularly on, on some of the stuff that's uh, happening out in Uganda might come through in, in some of the things that, uh, that I'm, t- I'm talking about today. But I think um, as time is of the essence, let's, let's crack on. And it's great that... Oh, sorry, yes. Yeah, a quick update on where we're at now. Yes, yeah, sorry, because we've been back for seven months and we're, we're now living in Bristol. Um, so Sarah has uh, got a job uh, even before she came back as a GP, so she works part-time as a GP. Myself, I'll, I'll tell, tell you a little bit more about it later, but I work for um, uh, a company called Urban Pursuits, which basically works with uh, young people who have been excluded from school. And I'll say a little, little bit more about that later. But we're really well settled in Bristol, and again, it's just amazing the way that God has just allowed things to fall into place for us um, as we, after we moved back in, in July last year. So... That's a little update. Right, good. We've had, we've had the scripture, which is great, so I don't need to do that. So let me just uh, pass through that a bit. But um, yes, as Jenny says, and as I'm sure uh, most of you know, we're, you're in the midst of this series uh, called Where Would Jesus Be? And we're looking at that uh, scripture in Mark this morning about um, Jesus walking on the water. Um, and so straight away, uh, there's two things that I want to draw out of that this morning, two sort of answers to that question, where would Jesus be? that I believe that we find in this scripture in Mark. The first one is stepping out, and the second one is stepping in. So we're going to start with, with uh, this first one, stepping out. Now, I don't know, has anyone here actually uh, ever actually been on a storm 
in a boat before. Has anyone experienced that here? Bev, was that... Uh, who else? And Paul Leonard. Okay, Bev Hall, Paul Leonard, yourself over there. Well, better you than me, I, c- I can say that for sure. Um, I've, I've actually, thankfully, never been uh, in a boat during a storm. I have been on, on the seas when it's rather choppy, and I'm, I'm one who gets rather seasick. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, my, my sister's wife... No? No? My wife's sister... Big difference there, sorry. <laughs> my wife's sister, goodness, move on quickly, Timothy. Um, she, she gave us a, a, a ticket to go whale watching. We were out in the States, and a uh, lovely, lovely thing to do. So we went out, and it, it was quite choppy that day. Uh, but, you know, we were really excited, and I thought we made the rather foolish decision of standing right at the front of the boat where we would get the best view. But, of course, right at the front of the boat is where it's going up and down, up and down. So, lo and behold, about 20 minutes into the journey... I kind of rushed to the back of the boat. I thought I actually managed not to be sick, uh, and Sarah wasn't far behind me, actually. But we, we basically spent the whole of the time just sitting quietly at the back of the boat, just sort of going, oh, oh, oh. Um, So, yeah, that was fun. You know, everyone else was enjoying watching all these beautiful whales, you know, taking photos, and we were, we were just stuck at the back uh, feeling very ill. So I'm glad that we haven't ever been in a storm because um, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have uh, managed very well. But there have been a number of situations where I've been in a, a sort of out in, in the elements where the, where the sort of weather turns against you. And the one I, I remember really well, and uh, Elaine Willett, where, where are you? You may well remember this. Back in the Lake District when I was about 14 years old, um, we, were, we were climbing a mountain called Fairfield. Were you there that time? Yeah. And uh, it, had been, it was February half term, so it had been snowing, and we were, we were climbing up this mountain. And we got, kind of got up onto the ridge, and all of a sudden, the wind just, just started to blow and blow and blow. And because uh, it was kind of very powdery snow, what happened was this, this um, powdery snow was just whipping up into our eyes, and it was like, almost like a mist descended, and you just couldn't see more than a, a few meters in front of you. And it was quite a, a scary experience, actually. But we had uh, the, the very heroic brother of John Putley, Dave Putley, with us, who, who manfully took control and he led us through and he got us off the mountain down into the valley, into the relative sort of peace and calm. Um, and when you're in a storm, you often need someone like that, don't you? Sometimes when, when things are kind of going against you, it needs someone to, to kind of step up and to step in. And that day, it was, it was Dave Putley, and I'd, probably Elaine was, was very good as well, but I, I specifically remember Dave uh, really kind of taking control and, and pushing on. But for the disciples in this story, of course, we have Jesus. He's on the shore. Uh, he sees that they're straining against the oars, that the wind is against them. And what does he do? He doesn't just stand there, but he steps, it, he, he steps out onto the water. Now, the thing I find uh, really interesting, actually, about uh, this story is, uh, of course, it's wonderful that Jesus steps out, but I think something really interesting here is the response of the disciples. Because what happens is, of course, Jesus walks in, uh, he's walking on the water, he's coming towards them, but rather than sort of looking out and, and seeing Jesus saying, oh, about time, oh, fantastic, you know, here comes Jesus, their reaction is fear. They are absolutely terrified. And why is that? It's because they don't recognize him. They think that he's a ghost. You see, this, this story comes at a point where the disciples actually... Um, have not yet come to a full understanding of who Jesus is. If we just look quickly at at verse 52, it says this right at the end of that passage, for they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. Now, 
What had just taken place before, uh, before we come to this scripture, of course, uh, is the feeding of the 5,000. And I think what the disciples had understood by this miracle that they'd seen in Jesus breaking the loaves and fish was that uh, you know, Jesus miraculously broke the loaves so that hungry people could be satisfied. And that's true. But actually, they had missed the bigger point, which is that Jesus came uh, as the bread of life himself. And he, was, he came to be broken so that he could feed hungry souls. And the disciples had missed this point. See, they understood that Jesus had power. But they had missed the point that actually Jesus was power. They had understood that Jesus was from God. But they had missed the point that Jesus himself was God. Now there's clues here, actually, when we look at this scripture in Mark. Um, that show us once again that what Jesus is doing is he's trying to show the disciples his divinity. Um, there's, a, there's a funny, I've always, at first glance it seems like a, a funny phrase in this account. In, and it comes in verse 48. And it says that he's, you know, he's out on the water and it says this, he was, about to pass, he was about to pass by them. And I always, when I first read that, it seems rather strange, doesn't it? Why, why would Jesus, you know, he's making his effort to come out to the disciples. Why would he then just look to pass by them? You know, is he trying to keep his distance? Is he kind of like toying with them? Is he just, you know, I'm just going to cruise past the boat here. Hiya, walking on water. All right, see ya. You know, it, it just, it seems, it seems like a strange statement, doesn't it? But actually, when you, when you get to understand this, what it is is that, um, he's, is that this, this phrase about passing by is, is actually an echo of where God reveals his glory in Exodus 33, and uh, if, we, if we remember, there's, there's that point, isn't it, where, where God passes by Moses and proclaims his name. So this actually, this phrase, passing by, it's actually an echo of what we've already seen where God is revealing himself to Moses in Exodus. And talking about the name, there's another thing that's interesting in this scripture in Mark, which is where Jesus, uh, which is where Jesus uh, says to the disciples, he says, you know, um, what does he say exactly? Take courage, it is I. Now that thing, it is I, if you take the literal Greek translation of that term, it actually translates to I am. Ring any bells? See, once again, that, that is an echo of something we've heard before in the book of Exodus, where actually Moses first encounters God in the burning, bit, in the burning bush, and he's revealing his name, his very identity to Moses. So you see, actually here in Mark, again, we're seeing that what, what Jesus is doing is he's proclaiming his divinity. He's showing his divinity. The fact that it uses that term that he passes them by. And then he steps into the boat and says, you know, you know don't worry, it's me. I am. It is I, literally meaning I am. But the point is, they miss it. The disciples, they completely miss it. And rather than realizing that it's Jesus, that it is their savior, that it is God incarnate, they think it's a ghost. See, they find themselves in danger, and I think this, this kind of external danger of being uh, out in the storm, I think is actually a picture of the internal danger of not actually understanding who Jesus is. I think this kind of straining, this physical struggle and painful attempt to make headway through the storm is actually a picture of the spiritual struggle that they're facing of trying to understand who Jesus really is. And I think that's, that's a challenge for us this morning because I think we, we face that same danger today. Remember that the disciples, have, they've been in the midst of everything that Jesus has been doing. Okay? They've been part there listening to his teaching. They've been there kind of seeing him at work, the miracles. But they're still missing who he was. I think there's a way 
where we can always be around Jesus, but where we don't actually really know him. I don't know if, if any of us can identify with that. I can identify that with, uh, at times. You know, there's times we can come to Sunday services, we can get plugged into to, to Bible studies, and we can go to the prayer meetings, we can sing songs, we can surround ourselves with all this church stuff, and actually we can miss the best thing itself, which is Jesus himself. And I think that's, that's, that's a challenge for us this morning. There's a, just a bit more on that, there's a, there's a great um, quote from some... Uh, someone that some of us will know, called Charles Spurgeon. And I love this quote. He says, those are substantial Christians to whom Christ is substantial. Now you look at Spurgeon there, he's a pretty substantial guy. <laughs> and um, and he, was a, he was a substantial Christian as well. But when I think of this statement, those are substantial Christians to whom Christ is substantial, there's someone who comes into my mind. And that's, that's one of my, my very good friends out in Uganda, who's this lady here, uh, this is one of the elders of our church. Uh, she's called Emily. And uh, ever since my early days in Uganda, she's been a fantastic blessing to me. And she's one of the most godly women that I know. And she's also very humble. As you can see here, she's just gearing up to, to, uh, to scrub the pit latrines, which uh, is, is not an easy task, I can tell you. But um, this is someone who I think embodies that statement because Christ is substantial to her. Actually, when she talks about Jesus... It's not like she's just talking about a character in a book. She talks with this energy. I mean, there's a few that, you know, Jenny will, will, might, might, you've met Emily at least, but maybe you, w- you wouldn't have heard her speak. But when she speaks about Jesus, she speaks with an energy and a passion that can only come from really knowing who he is. She's one of the most substantial Christians that I know, but the reason for that is because Christ is substantial to her. And the wonderful thing about this is that because of that, when she finds herself in a trial, when she finds herself in a storm, she looks out and she sees Jesus. She doesn't miss him. She's not like the disciples who look out and see something else and is full of fear. No, in the midst of the storm, she looks out and she sees Jesus in that challenge. And let me tell you, this woman has had to deal with so much. I, can't, I w- won't go into all the specifics. But this is someone who again and again has had fellow Christians just speaking rubbish over her, speaking lies about her, spreading rumors, just trying to cut her legs from underneath her. Fellow Christians of all people. And she's had to deal with stuff that, uh, to be honest, for most of us would really break us. But she always stands firm. And the reason is, is because she always looks for Jesus in those situations. Time and time again, she manages to find him in the midst of those challenges. She manages to see some purpose that he has for her. And that's not easy. That's not easy. But I believe it's only because she has that close relationship with Jesus that she's able to do that and able to pass through these challenges in such a positive manner. Now, I wish I could do that. (laughs) There's times where, where I'm able to do that, but the truth is, more often than not, when I'm in the midst of a trial, when I'm in the midst of a challenge or a storm, I get so focused on the obstacles in front of me that I fail to look out and see Jesus there and see what he's doing. So there's a challenge there for us, isn't there? That, that how often when we're in a difficult time, how often do we actually just look out and try to find Jesus in it? More often than not, you're probably like me, and you end up just getting overwhelmed and, and focusing on the problems that are in front of you. But there's, a, there's another interesting thing here in this account in Mark that I want to point out. It's a bit of an aside, but, but it kind of leads on, really. And that is um, the, dis- the disciples, they don't find themselves in this storm by accident. In fact, they were in the very place that Jesus wanted them to be. Let's look back at um, 
verse 45, right at the beginning. It says this, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. You see, it's not even that it's by Jesus' sanction that they are there in the storm. It's by his express command. He's told them to get into the boat and go. They don't find themselves in this storm because they fancied a boat ride. They find themselves in a storm because Jesus sent them. Now, there's an important point here. I want to tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that every single trial and challenge and difficulty that you face is something that Jesus has sent for you. I'm not saying that at all. But this is what I am saying. It's a different point, but very valuable. Don't think that because you hit problems or challenges that you're not where you're supposed to be. Hallelujah. Don't think that because you hit problems or challenges that you're not where you're supposed to be. In fact, I'd even go further than that. And I would say that sometimes I think difficulties and challenges and storms can be a signpost that we're actually heading in the right direction. And I could, I could give you many scriptures that back that up. Um, but I can also give you stories from my own life which back that up. And I want to tell you just one of them. Um, this is a picture of my son Noah. Just over a year ago, Noah very nearly died. Uh, what happened was that he, he's, he's a lad who, who suffers quite a lot with croup. I don't know if we all know what croup is, but where you kind of cough and then it, you end up having some sort of labored breathing. Um, now, he'd, he'd had croup before, and he'd always been fine. He'd kind of, you know, uh, you know he'd always overcome it, and it, it, it was fine. So he woke up one morning in Uganda with croup and uh, had been coughing all night. Um, but he got up, and he seemed all right, and he seemed in good spirits, and we thought... We kind of undenied whether we should send him to, to nursery that morning. We thought, no, we'll send him and then tell them to give us a ring if, if, if he gets worse. But, you know, he seemed really happy. He seemed finding it, fine in himself, so we sent him. Fast forward to two hours later, and in, he's in the back of our car with uh, Sarah's mum giving him mouth-to-mouth while Sarah's driving like a mad woman on the way to hospital. Now, of course, uh, anyone who's, who's been to an African country knows that driving like a, a mad person is, is kind of run of the mill out there. I can see Pete laughing over there. Um, you know, but, but for Sarah, this is quite unusual. She's usually quite a careful driver. But you know, she was swerving in and out, you know, crazy overtaking maneuvers, crashed over the central reservation at one point so that she could get to where she needed to go. And actually, this, this incident, it really rocked us, actually, because it, it caused us to almost lose a bit of confidence about what we were doing and, and being in Uganda. You know, we asked questions about, you know, should we really be here? Because, um, you know, the fact is, if, if we'd been here, uh, well, I'll tell you first, she got to a clinic in town, which was uh, one of the best clinics in town, and he needed oxygen. And so she dashed in, tried to, and they, they were just fumbling out. They were useless, weren't they? They were at, pretty useless. I think they came out with an oxygen canister, but with no way to administer it. And, I mean, Sarah just lost her nut and then jumped. Did you not? Oh, you were super calm. Sorry. I'm going to pay for that later. She was sorry. She was super calm and in her calmness made a decision that this is probably not the best place to be. Let's get him back in the car and go to the hospital. <laughs> you can fill people in later, Sarah, on, on, the, on, the, on anything that's wrong. But anyway, the point, the point I'm trying to make is that that wouldn't have happened here. You would have called 999, couple of minutes, ambulance would have been here, they would have been on the case. So it really, it made us question about, is, is this the best thing for our kids being here? But what I find interesting is actually the timing of this incident. And I want to share, something with, share that with you. Because at the very time that Noah was battling for his life, 
I was standing up, having just launched a series called Talk Faith, which was kind of like an alpha-style series that had been months and months in the planning with my Synergy lads. I was standing up, and I was basically doing the first session of this Talk Faith series where we were trying to get our lads to understand more about Jesus and try and help them to know him. Now, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think, you know, the fact that at the very time that we're kind of taking this step of faith, trying to bring the message of Jesus to some of our lads, that this thing happens with Noah. See, I think when you're moving in the right direction, you come up against resistance. I think the nature of the life that we live with Jesus, it's not going to be plain sailing. And actually, it's often when we're pushing forward, and it's push, you know, pushing forward for the kingdom of God, that actually it gets, it, it, we get the toughest moments. I don't know if anyone else can witness to that, but I've, I've certainly found that. So, you know, maybe these storms, maybe they're just part of the territory of actually just living a life of Christ. That's what I think at times. But the wonderful thing is that he doesn't leave us alone to suffer. And as we see in this story, actually, Jesus does, you know, he comes to them. He steps out into the storm. So where would Jesus be? He would be stepping out. But more than that, he doesn't just step out. We see that he then steps in. He steps into the boat. Now, when I look back at this, uh, when me and Sarah reflect on this story of Noah, there is absolutely no doubt in our mind that Jesus was in our midst when that was happening. Because there were a number of things that happened that most people would say were happy coincidence. But not a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was there. That Jesus stepped in in order to make sure that that young lad there is still with us. Amen. So I'll just share a couple of them. The the first example is the fact that Sarah got to the nursery exactly when she did. If she'd been five minutes later, ten minutes later, he would have stopped breathing. And the two Ugandan uh, ladies who, who look after the kids in the nursery would not have had a clue what to do. <laughs> they wouldn't have. Another thing is the fact that Sarah's parents were visiting at the time. And more than that, that Sarah's mum decided to, to come with Sarah to pick up Noah. Because that meant that Sarah's mum was in the back to give Noah mouth to mouth while Sarah was driving. If Sarah's mum hadn't been there, again, who knows what would have happened. That's not happy coincidence. That's Jesus. That's Jesus stepping out, and that's Jesus, more than that, stepping into the situation. Hallelujah. Where would Jesus be? Be stepping out and stepping in. Aren't we blessed that we serve a God who doesn't just stay at a distance and watch on, but rather steps into the storm, and more than that, steps into the boat, even when we don't deserve it? Because remember here, and we've talked about it a bit already, Jesus revealed his divinity to the disciples when they were unbelieving. When their hearts were hardened. And my friends, that's good news for us. Because sometimes we can get caught into thinking that the only way that God's going to come close to us is if we're living some kind of perfect life. That we're in perfect faith and perfect obedience. But that's not realistic. Actually, the truth is is that Jesus will overcome any barrier to come to us to step in. We have that verse, don't we, that says... That there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, it's, it's actually, it's not just when we're, we're in obedience and we're in perfect faith. It's also we're, when we're in the darkest times. It's when our faith is rocked. It's when we have uh, confusion and we have doubts in our mind and we have all these questions. Even then, God will step in. Hallelujah. There's no amount of sin, there's no amount of shame, there's no amount of hardness of heart that can separate us from the love of God. And I believe we need that message, all of us. We need it for ourselves, 
but we need it for our communities. We need it for the, the broken people that we see around us. I speak of broken people and I think of some of the young people that I'm working with now. Um, I started a job back in October, which is working with uh, young people who are, as I said a bit earlier, who have been excluded from school or have maybe, uh, you know, just struggling to, to really get on well with, with normal educational provision. And what happens is they get referred to us and we get them out of the classroom, we take them out, we do all sorts of uh, cool outdoor activities, you know, BMXing, climbing, uh, bushcraft, parkour, all sorts of, it's really, uh, it's a perfect job for me, absolutely love it. And we do, obviously we kind of deliver informal mentoring to these young people as we go. But the stories, my goodness, the stories of these young people, the brokenness in their backgrounds, it's, it's just overwhelming. Uh, there's one girl, I won't, I'll, I'll call her Sally, obviously it's not a real name, but when I first met her, the, it was the very first session she started to talk to me about her background and she had like just all sorts of, of violence in her background. Her dad was a drug addict and uh, he raped her and then he committed suicide. She had like a number of other members of her, of her family, uncles and aunts who were in prison also for, for violent crimes and perhaps unsurprisingly she'd had her own brushes with the law um, where she ended up uh, stamping on someone's head and nearly getting put in prison herself. And this is a young girl, 16 years old, who's just so confused. When I first, you know, she, she's confused about her identity. When I first, when I first met her, she, she told me that she was a lesbian. Now she's calling herself bisexual. She's just all over the place. But she's trying her best to get on with life. And the more I work with her and I work with some of these young people, I realize there's only so much I can do. You know, I could come alongside these young people and I could give them all the good advice in the world. But it's only going to take them so far. They need Jesus to step in. That's the, you know, it's only Jesus who can bring them the healing that they need. It's only Jesus who's going to be able to bring them that, self, that, that self-identity that they crave, that, that uh, longing for self-worth. It's only Jesus who can embrace them with his, with his love in a way that's going to really help. So it's fantastic, isn't it, that we have a God who will step in. We need Jesus to step in into the midst of the brokenness, into the midst of the pain and the filth and mess of this fallen world. Where would Jesus be? He'd be stepping in. Now, that's why he spent all his, so much of his time with people like tax collectors and, and prostitutes and lepers. Jesus was all about stepping in and continues to be about stepping in to the mess of this world and more than that, into the very lives of the broken people that are around us and ourselves included in that. I want to finish off this morning just... Um, sharing a challenge from my own life, and it's actually my greatest regret. As I came to to, to the end of my time um, in Uganda uh, last uh, July, I spent a lot of time in the last month up on a a piece of land that we own as River of Life Church, uh, which is up on a mountain, and we call it the prayer mountain. We've got some prayer huts up there, and it's just a lovely space to go and to seek God and to, yeah, just just to be in his presence and to pray and just to, to let him minister to you. And I spent quite a lot of time up there in, in the month before I left. And I came to this realization. And I, I had this realization that I'd fallen into the trap of getting so busy with the tasks of life. So busy with, with uh, the day-to-day. So busy with, with fighting fires and trying to push through the storms. That actually I'd missed so many opportunities to see Jesus. And I thought about Synergy, the, the project that I was running. And I thought, you know, we've missed so many opportunities 
to be more effective because I've been so busy pulling at those oars like those disciples were that I've actually neglected to spend time actually getting to know Jesus better myself. And it was quite, it just really struck me. And that wasn't just something for, for that year. That was something over my many years in Uganda. I, it was a real regret that I had. See, Jesus, he's, he's always stepping in. He's stepping out, sorry, he's stepping out into the midst of the storm. But we can miss him, just like the disciples. We can miss him. He's there willing to step in, but sometimes we don't let him. You know, I'd been caught in the trap of, of doing, of doing and doing instead of actually investing in getting to know him better. Getting busy with my plans and failing to see his plans. Busy spending all my time signposting other people towards him rather than actually investing in that quality time and trying to find him for myself. And to be, to be honest, I'm still failing there. I can't stand up here this morning saying I've got that right yet. I'm still failing. So that's my, my challenge to you this morning. You know, where would Jesus be? That's what we're talking about. He'd be stepping out and he'd be stepping in. We have a God who steps out and steps in. But if you want to know the true power of this, if you want to experience to the greatest extent what that means, then I believe we need to spend less time doing and more time listening. We need to be, spend less time pulling at the oars and more time actually looking for Jesus in the midst. Less time trying to do it for yourself and actually more time just being in his presence and allowing him to do it. So that's my challenge to us this morning. If we can stand up and I'll just finish with a prayer. Lord God, we want to thank you so much. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a God who doesn't just stay at a distance, but you step down into the mess of this world. And Lord, that wasn't just something that you did 2,000 years ago. That's something that you do again and again. You've done it over the years and you're doing it today, Lord Jesus. You look at our lives. You look at the mess that this world is in and you are willing to step out into the storm and more than that, to step into our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us in the midst of the challenges that some of us are even facing now. Lord Jesus, not just to be focused on the obstacles, but to look out and to look for you. Because I believe we will see you. Lord, help us to see your purpose in some of the things that we are facing. And even if it seems like there's no purpose, just to see you and to know that you are standing with us. Lord, we thank you that you are a gracious God. And even though we don't deserve it, Lord, even though we have hearts which are hard, just like those disciples, you still choose to step in. We pray that you would help us to allow you to step in to our lives again today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.